Welcome to Query, where we provide simple answers to complex tech questions. My name is Serenity Caldwell, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Stephen Hackett. Hi, Stephen. Hey, we're back. We're back with more exciting questions from awesome people. So the show comes out on Wednesdays, but we record it generally like Mondays around lunchtime. So most mm-hmm. weeks, it's the first show I record, like during my week of work. And it's just it's a nice way to start. Like oh, it. I'm glad that I'm the first voice that you hear uh, on the interwebs right. every week. It's very sweet. So we should dive in. Uh, this question from Brent is really good. Yeah, when I saw it, I was I was actually really excited because I'm like, oh, I think I know the difference, but I want to think about this. So tell us tell us this question, Stephen. So Brent asks, what is the difference between firmware and software? Oh man. So um, the first thing to know, um, and this is kind of Again, stuff that I thought I knew and then did some research. And I was like, well, I, I, I knew about 75% of this. Firmware technically is a type of software. Um, software can refer to broadly as anything running on your hardware. So if we look at you know, your Mac, for example, um, your Mac has apps running on it. Your Mac has Mac OS running on it. Um, but your Mac also has some some other things, some things called drivers, some things called firmware. Uh, so I wanted to break it down kind of into the categories of software that kind of live on your Mac or your iPhone or even your printer. <laughs> <laughs> I do often think about my printer software. Yeah. So, um, so when you look at software, um, you've got at the very most base level, You've got like this this shiny new Macintosh that uh, Apple's factories have built and put together. Um, But without software of any kind, the Mac is basically just a bunch of parts plugged together. Um, If you can't interface with it, then you can't actually use all of the, uh, you know, the keyboard or the the trackpad or the screen. Uh, So at the very root level, to basically get your Mac to power on um, and accept commands, you've got the firmware. Um, in the past, it's uh, it's basically base-level code, right? Uh, so in the past, it's been referred to as like the BIOS um, or boot ROM or something like that. Um, on your iPhone, you have something called a baseband firmware, which controls cell tower communications. So essentially, um, it basically tells your iPhone oh, um, this is how you connect to cell towers. This is the the pathway that you, you go about doing. Um, so all of this firmware basically lays the groundwork, um, it's a, the fertilizer, if you will, um, for your operating system. Without a... <laughs> <laughs> firmware is fertilizer, operating systems are seeds, and apps that's, that's are good. fruit. Yeah. That's really good. <laughs> I like that. Um, so... Yeah, so your operating system is essentially uh, is how you control your computer from a user interfacing side. The firmware is how your how you can install the operating system onto your computer or your iPhone. Um, the operating system is the thing that allows you to talk to your computer. Um, Granted, you probably could try and talk to your computer uh, via the BIOS, uh, but you'd have to know a lot of programming commands, and it's not very user-friendly. So with an operating system uh, on top of that and along with that interface layer and all of the different parts of operating systems, macOS, I think, technically has four, um, you basically just see it as an end picture as this is macOS. This is macOS Sierra, macOS High Sierra. Here's how you install it. Use your mouse and you press, you know, install. Great. Fantastic. Um, 
And uh, and that's the that's the software that we we think of usually in our day to day life. But we also think about things like apps, right? Apps live inside your operating system, um, and those don't just control. Oh, you know, you turn on the Mac and you get a you know the the login screen. You also want to do things with your Mac. So you've got you know your messages app or Slack or Safari or iTunes or Tweetbot or any any number of apps that you might use. Um, and those live, as I said, inside of the operating system, and they're easily updatable and changeable. Right? We can. Uh, download apps from the App Store. We can download apps if you're on a Mac from Safari. Um, whereas your operating system, you usually only change it. Uh, it can it can only be changed, of course, by Apple, the maker of the operating system. Um, and it is only changed like every couple of months. Firmware is changed even more rarely than that. Firmware, it's um, honestly outside of uh, baseband firmware. I think I've only ever seen firmware updates go out you know, maybe once every couple of years. Um, yeah, it's, it's, at least in the Apple universe, it's it's pretty rare they don't they don't mess with that all that much. Yeah, because ideally, the firmware it's a it's a very small package, right? A very small piece of code, um, and uh, hopefully, it's not a it's not particularly bulky or complicated. The operating system is what can be complicated, right? The operating system controls whether your windows glow or have a back shade or something like that when you're using them. Um, the firmware ideally just says, can can this type of operating system be installed? Yes or no. Um, if, if people have found a way to crack into your firmware, that's very bad indeed. <laughs> so uh, the, the final sort of layer of, of software, and this is where I took a pause, is uh, drivers. Because for a long time, I think I had associated firmware with drivers, where it's just like, and a driver, by the way, for people who don't know, is essentially um, a plugin that talks to an external or internal piece of hardware. So for instance, if you've built your own PC um, and you're talking to you know the graphics card inside your PC, your operating system will need a driver to talk to it. Um, so what I discovered in my research is that drivers are, again, they live in the operating system like apps, but whereas apps just kind of talk to the operating system, drivers actually talk to the firmware of an internal or external piece of hardware. So when you install, say, a printer driver to talk to that, to talk to a printer, uh, when you plug in your printer or connect to it via Wi-Fi, that plugin goes routes through your computer's operating system to talk to the printer's firmware and say, "Hey, you're okay. I can send files to print to you, and we'll be cool, <laughs> right? Right." <laughs> um, so I guess in my tree analogy, if the firmware is the the topsoil fertilizer and the operating system is the seed, um, and apps are fruit, drivers are. Uh, they're uh, branches or branches. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I'm like I'm. Yeah, because if apps if apps live on the branches, um, or no, very, you know what? Drivers confusing. drivers are bees. Drivers are bees. <laughs> drivers come and pollinate from tree to tree and uh, carry the carry the signal or the print job as it or the as print it, job as, as it were you know um <laughs> sometimes using my printer feels like it's run by bees it just sometimes it just doesn't work so and it it makes you feel like you've just been stung constantly yeah. and, and you're hurting mm-hmm. it's true well this was fun 
it was a fun a fun trip. Uh, I remember when I did uh, Genius Training for Apple. This is forever ago now. Uh, we had to learn all this stuff, and we had to learn like this is the these are the, you know the types of failures that you would see during the boot process. If a failure happens here, it's firmware. By the time the OS takes over, okay, now we're looking at this sort of you know troubleshooting step. So it's important to know kind of where the edges are. But really, in modern computing, these things are blended more than ever, and sometimes it can be difficult to kind of see where an app stops and the operating begin operating system begins because they, they the OS provides APIs for apps to tie into and that can include driver information. The, it's not a very clean separation like it once was, but at the same time, all this stuff is so much more robust than it's ever been that most people never have to worry about this or like stay up at night worrying about their firmware updates. Or spend, you know, a couple hours on Google learning about the difference between a firmware and yeah. a driver. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's I I'm glad that I did this research for you, Brent, because it's actually it's it's kind of interesting. I like knowing a little bit about how my computer works, especially in the age of, as you said, when we're all when everything is blended more and more together, it kind of reminds me of like electric cars mm-hmm. where if I open the hood of my, you know, my hybrid uh, I wouldn't know the first thing of what I was looking at, uh, but I kind of I kind of like knowing how my Mac is put together, even if it's, you know, flows into each other. Even <laughs> trees are magical. That's the end of my segment. <laughs> your your uh, your example may break it down a little bit. That's okay. We'll move it, on. It did. We'll move on. We've we've had a breakdown. If you want to be like Brent and submit a question, use the hashtag #AskQuery on Twitter, and we will see it. And we take questions on all sorts of topics. Uh, while you're there, you can follow the show at Query Show uh, to stay up to date. Question number two, uh, Michael asks, is there a good way to keep Chrome and Safari bookmarks in sync? And before we get to this, I was curious to know what browser uh, you use and on what device, if it's different. Um, I actually primarily use Safari for pretty much everything except for Google Hangouts and YouTube with which I use Chrome. Okay. Uh, it's that, yeah, I've kind of segmented my Google services into into Chrome, but for everything else, I use Safari. Yeah. I mean, the, generally, Google stuff tends to work better in Chrome. That's a kind of a topic for another day, I think. But uh, I use Chrome on the Mac uh, mainly because, like, at Relay, which is my day job, like, it is – everything is in Google Apps. So I'm in, like, really complicated Google spreadsheets, like, a ton of the time. Uh, I'm in like the YouTube backend. I'm in in different websites that just tend to work better in Chrome. I prefer Safari on the Mac for a bunch of reasons, but I use Chrome because it kind of makes my work go more smoothly. But on iOS, I definitely use mobile Safari. And so uh, the 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 what's behind Michael's question, I think, is probably the situation I'm in, where I use Chrome on the Mac and I use mobile Safari on iOS. And so what happens is your bookmarks fall out of sync, right? That, oh, I, I bookmarked the thing in Chrome on my Mac, and uh, now it's not on my, my iPhone. Uh, I do keep Chrome on my iPhone and iPad kind of for this, but also just every once in a while, I will open Safari on the Mac, and I will import my bookmarks and history from Chrome into Safari. It, it takes just a couple of minutes. Uh, it's under the file menu. I think it's like import from, you pick Chrome, it just sucks all that stuff in. And so those bookmarks, thanks to iCloud, are synced on my mobile devices. So even even though I'm using a different browser, uh, they are there. But uh, if Brent or if Michael's in the same position I'm in, you do lose some stuff that, that you get to enjoy, Serendi, like having uh, iCloud tabs kind of keep 
um, I was going to say keep tabs on, but I, I just fell into that. Uh, keep, oh. keep, keep a list of open tabs on all your devices so you can you can move. Hey, I was reading this on my iPhone. I'm on my Mac, and I want to link to it on the blog. Uh, I can just open that tab real quick. Uh, synced history, which is super helpful. That's probably the biggest thing I miss using Chrome is that – uh, if I have something in history on my iPad, I don't have it in Chrome on the Mac. And if you use Safari or if you use Chrome everywhere, uh, you you get those sort of features that are nice to kind of all be in one ecosystem. Yeah, I am. Um, I've always wondered this, uh, especially because, like I said, mostly I keep everything segmented. Um, but I was playing around with Chrome for iOS for a while before uh, before the revelation that it just you know it can't really take advantage of the same. Uh, speed APIs that Safari can. Have you ever thought about using Chrome for iOS or are you kind of a Safari for iOS person? Uh, it's one of those things that I have it installed and I use it on occasion, but because of things like Safari view controllers and like an iOS is just much harder to replace a system app. And so I think when I've tried in the past, I end up with like the browsing I do in Chrome and then like tabs open from emails and my RSS and everything else in Safari. And it's kind of Suddenly, I'm, I got two things going on. They don't merge, and it's it's sort of a messy. So, um, and, and Safari on on iOS is great and has content blockers and stuff that Chrome doesn't. So, Safari is the clear winner for me on on my iPhone and iPad. Yeah, for me as well. That's interesting, though. I like your take. Yeah, that's a good question. And it brings us to the speed run. Scott wants to know a good DVD ripper for macOS. So it kind of depends on what you're looking for. I interpreted this question as I want to make QuickTime files out of movies. Uh, we will s- sidestep the legal implications of that question. Uh, and I'll, It's a home movie that happened to be yeah, on it's DVD. it's a home movie. Yeah, it happens all the time. Uh, Handbrake is great. So there's a couple links in the show notes. I went to Macworld and went to iMore explaining how Handbrake works. In the iMore article, there are also some other examples. So you can do different things. Like you could rip out uh, basically like a DVD image. So your Mac thinks there's a DVD in the drive and there's just a, a software disk image. And that iMore article has some stuff there. But generally, I, I, I opt for Handbrake. It's really easy to use. They have a lot of uh, presets. So you can kind of pick the quality you want. And uh, it's pretty straightforward. It's been around forever. It gets regular updates. Uh, I think I think Handbrake is definitely like the go-to app for most people for this on the Mac. Yeah, I agree. All right. Chris asks, uh, and a little bit of follow-up, which you don't do in the show, so we sort of shoehorned it into the speed run. Uh, way back on episode one, uh, Ren, you were downloading a 400 megabyte app over a tethered connection to your phone on your iPad. And Chris was wondering if that ever finished. It did finish. Um, and then I promptly deleted it because I didn't play that game. So there was 400 megabytes of uh, cellular data wasted. <laughs> well, uh, it's uh, but, for the show. <laughs> yeah, it's for science. Uh, but yeah, that's a thing. Uh, if you want to get around megabyte restrictions, you can uh, you can tether your phone and it'll work. Yeah, it's just it's just one more in a list of items, I think. You know, when we, we talked about that on episode one and we still have questions about it coming in. It is very confusing sometimes on on what iOS will do when tethered versus when not tethered, and like the, it's not a hard and fast rule. And uh, and some things, if you tether, you trick it to being on Wi-Fi and it just works. And other things don't. It's just it's confusing. I think I think they could do a better job at, at really simplifying that. Yeah, agreed. All right, last question. Josh asks, "What is the best way to future-proof Apple Photos if there's a need to migrate away?" Can you export albums or access directly via the file system? This is a, a great question. It's a question that even back in like the iPhoto days, uh, I would get sometimes. 
And uh, I will preface by saying I don't. So I in the in the old times of iPhoto, iPhoto just didn't work for me for a bunch of different reasons. I used Aperture for a while, but then I just ended up having all my pictures in folders in Dropbox. The pros and cons to that. Uh, the big con is that there's not a great way to to view them. Like they're just files in Finder, and you're just kind of like poking through them. But uh, a big pro is that I know where the image file is, and the photos library is just a database, just a, just a package on your hard drive. Now there is a masters folder buried in there, and uh, there'll be a link in the show notes of how to get down to that. And you can pluck images out of there if you if you ever needed to. Photos has really robust export options, and they actually improve a little bit in High Sierra. But like I said, I, I generally don't worry about this because if photos were to be replaced or to go away, lots of people would be in the situation where they would need their images out of it. And so either Apple or some third party would rise with a good option. And, uh, and so, yeah, this, when I, when I went from Dropbox and in, into photos, I, I worried about this, but I've just come to embrace that I get a bunch of really nice features using photos and I'm not super worried. I know all my images are on my hard drive somewhere. And like I said, if photos ever were to go away or something were to happen to that library, I know that I could get them back. And, uh, and I think that that's, um, it's a good thing to think about, but I don't think it should keep anyone from using an application like Photos uh, if you want all those all those pros we've talked about. Agreed. I do the same thing as you, Stephen, where I actually have all of mine backed up in Dropbox. Um, but yeah, I'm I wouldn't be too worried about Photos suddenly eating all of your images. It is pretty easy to open up the Photos app and get access to your Photos library. Um, if you want to just do it via the finder and, and like you said, Steven, there will definitely be an export option if photos ever decides to go the way of the dodo. Yeah. Yeah. I I wouldn't let you, wouldn't let it keep you up at night. So we had a whole wide range of stuff. Talked about firmware, which I did not expect when I woke up this morning and, uh, bookmarks (laughs) and DVD ripping, just like a real, uh, all around fun episode, I think. Yeah, you know, I try and keep you on your toes, Stephen. It's true. Yeah, I opened the doc. It's like, oh, we're talking about firmware. Uh, thank you, dear audience, for listening to Query. Um, if you're new to the show, uh, welcome. Uh, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. It's always helpful. You can find show notes this week at relay.fm slash query slash eight. So those links we've been mentioning throughout the show, they'll all be there. Uh, again, to submit questions, you can tweet with the hashtag AskQuery. In the meantime, you can find Serenity on Twitter as Saturn and find her writing at imore.com. I'm ISMH on Twitter and write 512pixels.net. Until next week, Ren, say goodbye. Ciao. Adios.